G'day and freaking welcome to Oceanic Gaming Radio. That's OGR, baby. We're the, uh, the weekly Australian gaming podcast that brings you news, reviews, and just about everything else that's, you know, vaguely gaming uh, adjacent. And uh, yeah, we appreciate mm-hmm. you you're jumping in and, and uh, having a bit of a listen to us talk shit for about an hour and a half or more, probably more, usually more, um, <laughs> mm-hmm. much to Pav's dismay. Uh, but yeah, again, thanks for joining us. It is uh, the 6th of February, 2023. This is the 46th episode. And yep. uh, yeah, my name's Captain Perth. And uh, alongside me, as always, is uh, Grizzly Gaming 86 and Pav. Loverface, gentlemen, how are we this evening? G'day, Capo, mate. I cannot believe we're in February already. Isn't that just yeah? No, insane? it's crazy. It's actually crazy. I do feel like um, when you have children, Grizz, that you get put into this. Like normally, you mm-hmm. like you travel through time on just a, a walking path, and then you get put on this fucking roller coaster at high yeah. speeds, and time just goes and it's you're gone. on the roller coaster mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden it's february 2023 ted's like, going to be sitting out the back with you soon drinking a couple of beers and you're going to be like fuck man, he already is mate no <laughs> <laughs> no well you've got a few more years yeah. left in him yet but uh but yeah no it's amazing how quickly they um you know people do you know it's it's hilarious like mm. there's so many cliche cliche shit that people say about babies and stuff and it's all fucking true all of it's true. You're like, oh, they grow up so fast. They actually do grow up really quick. It's crazy. Oh, All they do, they're, yeah. They're just, they're huge. You definitely got to take um, for granted. And one thing I've noticed, Cap, in, is you, you have this age where like they'll come to you in the morning. That's the first thing they do is they'll come into your room and they'll like come and cuddle you in the bed or say hello in the morning. And then slowly that stops where they'll get up and they'll make themselves breakfast instead or do something else. Yeah. And yeah. so Ada, our youngest, has just stopped doing the coming to your room. So oh, that's, no. That, that no longer will ever happen again. So how old, so old's Ada now? Ada is uh, five and a half. Five and a half, okay. Yeah. So I can't wait it. for that, dude. I reckon that's going to be sick. That'd be <laughs> well, so when cool. they're coming in or when they stop coming in? No, when they come in, come oh, in. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It is yeah cool. I reckon that's going to be cool. awesome, dude. I can't yeah. wait for that. I, I just reckon it's going to be so. Uh, I can just picture it in my mind this little, like, I don't know, head you just see walks past your bedside because they're too small <laughs> and then they're like tapping you on the shoulder or wants to be lifted. I just think it's going to be so cute. I can't freaking wait. It for is. It. it is. I mean, it's already you, so freaking cute. You saying that is making me miss it now because I. We'll never experience that ever again. So cherish it while you got it. That's all I'll say, oh, mate. Absolutely. I tell you what, we're definitely cherishing it. We've had, you know, it's it's been tough along the way, but um, mm-hmm. I don't know. You know, every day is a little bit different, a little bit better, and uh, yeah, it's been freaking awesome. It's been so cool. He's uh, Ted's four months old now, and just little things like he's starting to use his hands more, and he's oh, like, yeah, you know, he he wants to like hold your face and touch it. And it's just yeah. little things like that. It's just it's crazy because they don't know they have hands or feet to start with, and then they kind of figure out they've got them, and it's yeah. almost like you can actually capture that realization. Like you can see when yeah. they start, and they you can see them actually looking at their hands and feeling that they're feeling that feeling in their fingers of what they're yeah. touching and it's like everything becomes a sensation at that point you know you can see why they cry so much because it must just be like uh like a, i don't know it must it must literally be like a nightmare 
<laughs> like if you think think about if that happened to you right now with all the knowledge yeah. you had, they have oh, none of that yeah, knowledge. Fuck. I mean, of course they're learning, but like it must yeah, just be like what the fuck are these fucking, things? Holy Jeez. shit! But I have definitely noticed Ted. He's just started like he's he's started to notice his feet. Like he's he's, he's his hands are old news, mate. His feet are just like fucking hell. What are those oh, things? Yeah. Hang on a sec, I can move though. That is, that is mental. <laughs> it's so cool, mate. Uh, but yeah, anyways, enough about me, Pav. How are you freaking going, mate? What's, what's new? Uh, good. Um, had a big weekend. Um, yeah, that's a fucking a- understatement <laughs> from what you told me in the private group chat. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. we'll keep we'll keep that in the private group chat. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> we'll just say Bucks party. Yeah, I had a pretty big. big well, hang on, party. hang on. Hey, firstly, Pav, once again, I've seen something pop up on your Facebook. That was interesting. And you were wearing Pokemon clothes. What oh. were you dressed as? Where were you? What did you do? All Talk right. Oh, yeah, that was sick. Well, I was at a, a very good friend's uh, birthday. Uh, you all may know him as... Uh... DJ Francesco. Oh, yeah, <laughs> baby. <laughs> but my Does good he friend... know? Did you tell him that we meme about him in the channel all the time or not? Look, I've, I've, I've gently suggested that the clip gets played often. I don't think he understands <laughs> how often and what big a part of, <laughs> of <laughs> that is. But fuck, I, dude. I'm dreading the day he like starts to tune in and hears it every episode because uh, he's not going to be happy with me. Uh, but it was oh, his man. It's too good. It was his birthday. He had a like uh, set up his living room as a like with his DJ decks. That was like pretty much just like a like a big house party. It was bloody sick. Uh, wow. But yeah, it was it was a Pokemon party, and I dressed up as Psyduck. Because my yeah. my other best mate dressed up as Misty and <laughs> like a, like, <laughs> a, like, a, like, a, like a tank Misty. Was like, That's good. awesome. So you good so you explain the costumes for those at home. So you basically had like a hat that you turned right. into like a side up thing. It is the most dodgy <laughs> homemade <laughs> side up costume uh, that I I, I refuse to make that I got my friend to make to encourage me to actually wear it. Uh, but they we just dyed a shirt and a pants uh, yellow. <laughs> we tr- tried to. <laughs> Why didn't you just buy a yellow shirt and pants? It was, that was harder than it, it sounds. <laughs> oh, is it really? Yeah, right. Okay. They don't just uh, make yellow shirts and pants these days. Yeah, Bruce, well, right? the mm. idea was to buy a white pants and shirt, which also was harder to find for some reason. And we ended up with like two beige items of clothing, <laughs> which didn't take the color very well. Uh, so, <laughs> I think oh, because mate. of my because of my complexion, I think it turned out a bit more yellowy. So Have, I worked out and worked out. Who end. won the, uh, who was the best dress, do you think, at this party? Clearly Pat. <laughs> no, <laughs> not by a long shot. Uh, Look, I think we, we were supposed to do a like a cosplay competition at uh, midnight, uh, but we're all too uh, f- uh, bloody drunk, so um, that just didn't happen. <laughs> That's yeah, sounds like that. That uh, was yeah. a, a fairly likely probability, anyway. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, good very values. excellent, bloody good fun. So you, but yeah, just had a big old, big old, big old alcohol big old, weekend. Yeah, big old weekend. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I like how last now. the week before last week we spoke about how you need to chill out a little bit and now you're fucking back in there yeah no that that was that was unheard of that was the first time in like three months i've had a quiet weekend uh <laughs> I, like had zero yeah, plans you were, you were literally like i need to do more of these man these are so great yeah. well, oh, I, yeah. i'm not getting another one for another like <laughs> six months so we'll see <laughs> oh god dude i can't even imagine that oh well all right grizz what about you mate what's what's uh what's uh, happening over your weekend and okay well I'm going to talk about this now because I have other gaming stuff to bring in now. 
new section mm. of the night, which we'll reveal later. But I had yeah. my first session of D and D. In case you couldn't guess, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> yeah, carry on. <laughs> uh, with with the brothers, and it was uh, way went way better than expected. And yeah, it it flowed really nice. But uh, do you know what? You did it over Twitch, didn't you? We did. Yeah, we did it yeah. over Twitch. Yeah, I yeah, reckon yeah. that would be such a good way for you to learn to be a DM because you can easily Twitch chat shit. Yeah. Yeah, Twitch chat shit and like, no, it was fantastic, mate. Took the players through Ravencrest Asylum, which was like a prison for the, clinical, uh, the clinically insane um, that had all died and they were just full of ghosts and stuff. But it was really cool. Um, apart from that, Is Cassie, this a pre-made campaign, no, Bruce? Well, so the, I, I, I wrote session one um, right. just off some broad law i wanted to set up like a dungeon where we could basically explore the content on, on roll 20 so we're using roll 20 for everything yeah um, wicked. and i didn't want to i kind of wanted to have this session before we do the made one because the made ones i actually want to put on youtube and maybe on spotify and actually do a proper good job of it where this was kind of like a fuck i don't know how this is going to go my players have never played before so uh, the idea was that we do this session and then I can send it off to Adrian to do like a bit of a critique and give me some hints and tips to uh, make myself a better DM and, and the players better players. So <clears throat> it was a really good exercise um, and we learned a lot. But Hell it, yeah, brother. In total, it was good, mate. Loved it. Like I incorporated music and sound effects and spooky bits and pieces. And But Cap, I, do you know how I wrote the story for a lot of the rooms and the overall overarching story of, of this one shot was I used that open AI tool. Oh, brilliant. The jet, uh, chat GP. The chat, chat yeah. GPT. I was just like, so, like what kind of things were you giving it to so, generate so I was, stuff? I was literally saying, uh, give me an idea for a D and D campaign set in a spooky prison for the clinically insane and it would write out it wrote out this huge big thing and it gave me Ravencrest Asylum gave me the name it explained all of the settings and then I said can you make it shorter can you incorporate a big bad called this and it kind of just wrote this story for me dude that is so it was mental. honestly man as a dude, DMs I... if added, as a DMs tool you should definitely use this because you can describe a room that you want described in more detail in like a couple of words and say, explain yep. it. And it will give you this really in-depth description of yep. what it is. Mm. Oh, dude, that's so freaking cool. It's, it's amazing how many uses there are for that particular platform. Like even even literally just marketing, like uh, just instantly generating responses to people and making them vaguely not just a you know re automated response it's just yeah. insane what that can do and what a cool uh application right like that is, that is awesome this kind of goes into a topic later tonight cap talking about ai and potentially uh, replacing people's jobs um so a very interesting topic to discuss later on but cap otherwise i, I went also uh, saw my brother's band play uh my brother is in a tool tribute band called Arizona Bayswater and they've been making waves in Perth for the last few months. Uh, they yep. played at Frio Social, uh, which is like a venue in, in Fremantle, Perth. But yeah, just like honestly, man, one of the best live shows I've seen for a while. My mum was there. The gig started oh, at 11 p.m. Awesome. So she kind of rocked up and she was a bit tired. But dude, she was down the front. Like my brother took it down the front it. of the stage, and there was like it's just a, it was just such a great mood in there, man. It was really really good. Played oh, amazingly. Dude, that's wicked. I yeah. love it. Fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I saw them play their first 
gig uh, and it was phenomenal. So I can only imagine how much tighter they would be now. And yep. yeah, I can imagine it would have been a freaking ripper. Uh, Absol- that's really awesome. Absolute ripper. That's about it. Nice. I'm going to save my other gaming bit uh, for later, Cap. But what about you, mate? What has been on your yeah. agenda recently? Anything fun? Honestly, not really. I don't think I did much, if anything, over the weekend. I played some some cheeky video games here and there. And uh, yeah, I've been pretty quiet in all honesty. Uh, I think... Yeah, I, I don't know. I've re- I haven't really got an awful lot to to uh, report to the to the class, and unfortunately, I've, I've had a pretty quiet week. So, Cap, which you've stopped been playing WoW, good. haven't you? Well, that should be a game yeah. discussion. But yeah, I was probably going to save it. it. But but um, look, we can maybe um, oh, do you know, we'll save it for later. I'll, I'll tell right. you a bit more about it. But um, well, let's dive straight freaking into it since I haven't got an awful lot to tell you guys about. Uh, yeah. Anyways, firstly, as always, thank you so much for joining us every freaking week. We bloody appreciate you guys consuming the podcast, jumping in Twitch chat, which you can do so yourself live if you're listening to this by podcast. Uh, we record this uh, bad boy every Monday from 7pm AWST. That's Australian Western Standard Time. Uh, and all you got to do is go to twitch.tv slash oceanicgamingradio. That's one word. And, uh, yeah, you can jump in the Twitch chat and say day and leave your thoughts and talk shit about us and um, poke fun at us, do whatever you like. So, uh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, so that's that's a potential. You could do that if you would like to. Uh, now, we'd also would like to thank our wonderful Patreons uh, that continue to uh, financially aid us in these uncertain economic times. Uh, they are as follows. Sukai, Moosey, Caging Runt, Sergeant Paul, Lee, GD, J-Libs, Nicole, and Brendan. Guys, you guys are freaking rippers. We bloody appreciate your continued patronage. And, uh, yeah, if you'd like to become a Patreon, all you got to do is go to patreon.com slash OGR show. That is also one word. And, uh, yeah, sign up for a tier, and I think I think you can give us, like, five bucks a month or something, uh, and you get me t- t- saying your name every fucking week, and I will do it with gusto and ferocity. Easily worth, to. Cap. Easiest $5 worthness ever Mate, <laughs> good english this silky timber freaking right. announcing your name timber sorry not timber uh i will do it for five dollars a month <laughs> <I'm> losing <laughs> this shit <laughs> anyways again you thank you so much do you remember that chick that was uh, making people feel guilty about not subbing to her channel yeah that was a bit of a classic um, it's only five dollars all that shit yeah. um but yeah anyways uh yeah just want to say thanks for being here. Now, look, a uh, little bit of homework for you guys at home. If you know someone that might like this podcast, we'd really appreciate it if you could, uh, you know, maybe tell them about it, you know, flick them a, a link to the, the podcast so they can go and listen to it in their own time or uh, to the Twitch chat, uh, maybe a family member, anyone. We don't bloody care. Let's uh, we, We'd love to grow this podcast and, you know, get it sh- cranking. So with your help, I think we can do just that. It's really hard to fucking market a podcast, actually, so... Word of mouth is the best way. Uh, mm-hmm. So if you help us out, we'll help you out by continuing to make this content. All right? So there's a little deal for you. Uh, now, I had one more thing to say about, oh, reviews. Uh, if you are listening to this via podcast, if you could just leave us a cheeky five-star review in your app of choice, that would be freaking great. Not four stars, okay? Five minimum, please. And uh, leave a nice little comment like, you know, Captain Perth's incredibly handsome or, mm-hmm. you know, um, has a really nice beard. Um, he has nice cologne, of which I have not smelt, but I can only imagine it would be rich and, and you know, 
If it doesn't have Orangey. DJ Francesco in the review, it's not a real review in my eyes. Exactly. You need to mention DJ Francesco. But anyways, I'm going to talk, stop talking shit. Um, yeah, we've got a lot on the uh, on the menu this this evening today. Uh, so let's sort of do a quick run through of what we've got uh, during our segment, our first segment, which we we're referring to as the main topics, but we're now we're going to be calling it the quest log. Okay. Uh, uh, perhaps miming something. Have we not agreed on that? Or uh, we... I didn't. I didn't realize we came up with the name, but that, I like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah, we did. It's called the quest log, right? So this is yeah. beautiful. The so quest you... log is is where we explore some main topics every and, week. Some and I don't ones. know if the uh, viewers are aware of this cap, but by completing the quest log, i.e., listening to this podcast, you gain XP. Yeah. Yep. It's look, figurative, can... though. That's right. Yep. So it's in your heart. It's not actual XP. <laughs> But <laughs> if you listen to it, you will gain XP. We promise you that much. Mm-hmm. Uh, so mm-hmm. on the quest log tonight, I've got to tick a few of these bad boys off. We've got uh, E3. There's some shit going down at E3 again. Uh, what's going to happen to E3 in the future? Who knows? We're going to dissect that for you. Uh, now, last week, uh, From Software's uh, director, uh, well, one of their game directors, uh, revealed a little bit of extra info about Armored Core 6, Fires of Rubicon. So we'll... Uh, talk you through what was divulged there. Now, if you've been living under a rock, you might not have heard, but uh, there's been a bit of a uh, D&D Wizards of the Coast controversy going on for a few weeks now. We sort of let it to stoke uh, in the flame before we approached it. Uh, and we think it's probably mostly reached ahead now, so we're going to go through what's happened and uh, what, mm-hmm. the, what the deal is in, uh, in that neck of the woods. Uh, also, we're going to talk to you about freaking AI voice acting and uh, what what that's all about. Uh, want to know more? Keep on listening. Uh, we've also got uh, some interesting shit going on in the world of Final Fantasy Online with their world first raid clears and some things happening at Bethesda's uh, uh, Arcane Studios for Redfall. They've got a uh, interesting uh, uh, addition to their video game that I don't think many people are going to be too stoked about. So we're going to talk about that as well. Uh, we'll also talk about the games that we've been playing during our how you ga- how's, your ga- how's your game and gun section. I couldn't even fucking say that. Uh, <laughs> but that is our, uh, our chance to give you guys a bit of an idea of what we've been playing and uh, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. As always, got the OGR poll and the rapid fire news. It's no longer called the quick fire news. We've changed it to rapid fire because it's a bit more gamified. So we've, uh, yeah, we've basically sectionized our podcast into sections and those are the sections. So strap yourselves in and Mm. uh, yeah, we're going to start off with the quest log. All right, Grizz. Yeah. Straight away. First quest, mate. Mm -hmm. Uh, Xbox and Nintendo. Uh, There's some rumblings as well as Sony, sorry, uh, that they will not be attending the revitalized E3 this year. Yes. Now, Cap, this is uh, E3's first physical event in four years, mate. Yeah, and they barely had any event <laughs> yeah. in between then. I mean, I know you say first physical, but have they even had a digital event? I don't think. I don't I'm sure they all cancelled. Yeah, I think um, they've all been canned or, or pushed. So, I don't know, no yeah. huge surprise here for me, Cap, but... Yes, we have had acknowledgement that Xbox, Sony, and Nintendo won't be at E3, but they also aren't going to have anything on the center show floor either, Cap, apparently. Which, no. Which is, I don't know, a shame. If you're, if you, it, It'd be interesting to see whether any of our listen to, listeners are planning to attend E3, Cap. Um, yeah. 
it, it definitely gives you much less reason to go. That is for sure. Mm. I mean, these guys are the so-called big three, right? So they're the big three. Uh, I mean, they have their own, uh, you know, console and hard uh, hardware, right? So, but they are the big three consoles and developers. So the fact that they're not going to be there uh, to a, an event that I guess really, when you think about it, they've kind of helped shape in a lot of ways. You know, they've had their own uh, showcases and and whatnot at E3. I mean. It's 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 a shame to see it kind of slowly wither and die like this, Grizz. Yeah, it's uh, one of those things that for me, E three was such an exciting time of year. You know, it's like, oh shit, E three is literally next week. Fuck, mm-hmm, are you mm-hmm. serious? And then you know, you'd have these massive, massive showings at this 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 uh, convention. You know, and it was like a it's 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 the mecca of of it. Well, it was not anymore, but it was the mecca of 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 uh, gaming announcements and everything in between. You know, it's. It's a real shame that uh, it just seems to really not be doing too well. But I think there's been a lot of things happening in past years with just their marketing and not spending money wisely, I think, from from memory. Yeah, yeah. and it also comes down to COVID. I think COVID actually changed uh, the way we uh, think about our gaming news quite a lot, Cap, with the cancellation of in-person events and and bits and pieces. And we saw a lot of the major players, including uh, the big three, have their own ways to... I guess, announce their games and other bits yeah. and pieces. We have the Nintendo Direct and the PlayStation State of Play for PlayStation and everything yep. else. And mate, Xbox it's not- has now got its developer direct that it recently developer direct. last week. And it also, the cost, uh, you pay money to, to be at E3. Um, I just whipped out a few little figures cap from a small indie dev that uh, wrote a, a panel on this. And apparently they inquired about being at E3 and having a booth there. Um, and they were told that it would cost them between three hundred and five hundred thousand dollars to get a booth at E3. And when they were like, "Whoa, oh, we can't afford that." Sorry, it was uh, if you want an E3 booth, you have to pay E3 prices. So, whoa, it's also okay. probably a bit of a thing where these guys have gone. Oh, is it actually worth our while doing this when we've well, got our own? Almost certainly, absolutely not. For a couple <laughs> of reasons. I mean, obviously. These guys have shown time and time again that they can do their own conferences and um, events uh, mm. and do a really good job of it. And the best thing is they get full control over, you know, the the entirety of it. You know, when it's showed, uh, they can. So this is another thing that I was thinking about just before Grizz is the problem with probably E three for a lot of these businesses is E 3s timing kind of controls when you can announce video games, right? Because you want to announce it in amongst. You know everyone else because that's when all of it freaking goes down. Mm. Uh, that's when the most eyes are on stuff because everyone's watching E3. But now that E3 has kind of died, and you know these guys are slowly doing their own thing, they're able to kind of have a bit more control over when they announce their games. You know whether it be because you know they've had delays or you know or stockholder slash uh, mm. you know uh, what do you call it stock. Uh, announcements and stuff like that they can yeah, yeah. they can announce them whenever they like it's Absolutely. probably much more in their interest to just do it themselves so i can see why they'd be leaving in droves and if they're having to spend 300 to 500k on just the ability to show <laughs> yeah. at e3 yeah why don't they just make their own show and show around the time that e3 happens mm, <laughs> you know there's exactly. nothing stopping them from doing that cap i had a little look in in a couple of articles trying to find the reason whether there was anything from Sony, PlayStation, or Nintendo around why they weren't attending. Um, and there was a little, there seems to be like mixed messages between the three for their reasons. So I found this one from Nintendo. 
Um, and this, uh, they basically said, uh, the company has decided to skip E3. And this is Robinson, I'm not sure. A- Andy Robinson from the Video Games Chronicle uh, oh, yeah. interviewed someone from Nintendo uh, because it feels it has uh, fewer major releases than usual ready to show. Um, is that for just would, this year, is it? Yeah, which would uh, justify, mm. wouldn't justify their, their space. Now, I don't know, Cap, what, we've got some pretty big name. Games nothing that out? I can really think of, Grizz. Nothing off the top of my head. No? Uh, okay. Yeah, I don't think Nintendo's got really anything coming out this year. Mm. Nothing, no like follow-ups to some of the greatest games of all time or anything. I <laughs> yeah. don't know if they'd actually <laughs> be able to um, put much on. Yeah, they're That's probably right I'm, when they say that. Sort of cough, cough, tears the kingdom. Yeah, do you but, think that um, it's yeah. just like a, they're just looking for an excuse to go, actually, oh, we don't want to go to E3. I suppose they've got to try and be markety and, and relatively... Uh, nice about it not be like well we're not going to spend mm. five hundred thousand fucking dollars on a piece of shit um you know ground floor thing and mm-hmm. not really get much benefit back so i'm sure they, it's just you know i think there's an economic factor in the sense they don't want to be spending the money and the second part is marketing they can do much better control over yeah. what they show and when they show it so and obviously e3's just kind of slowly fizzled uh and i mean there's better offerings i guess now like look at jeff Keeley's summer games fest and and the yeah. game awards that was very uh, successful so, i feel well actually it yeah. caused a bit of criticism but i think uh he seems like the kind of person that can make that work and i feel like that would be a better avenue to to be you know, yeah. presenting presenting your stuff at at the moment. Yeah, I just I just don't think E three has the name anymore. Obviously, but even before it started to slowly go to shit. So I who think, is uh, going to be yeah. at this physical event? Cap? Do you, well, what's the you thing? I don't know if I don't think they've announced bugger all about who's mm. going to be. It's just these rumblings of who's not going to be there. So <laughs> uh, I, I, does it become a little indie games show now? And they mm. have to you know provide budget boothing uh, to enable indie developers to actually get their games into these places. I don't know. But the Maybe thing is, can. they've got uh, they've got packs that kind of really focuses on that. So I just don't know what E three is anymore. I really don't. Well, I guess it's we wait and see nothing. and see what happens, eh? Yeah, well, uh, is E3 normally July from memory or June? One of the two. It's definitely mm. one of the, the J months and it's definitely not January. It's like so at mid-year, least isn't it? two other months that it could be. I'm pretty sure it's June, uh, generally recurring. So You're right, uh, yeah. 13th of June. Yeah, there you go. So yeah. we'll know what happens to E3 by then, I'm sure. Uh, and maybe they'll just cancel it the day before and be like, oh, yeah, sorry, guys, don't worry, they're rocking up because uh, no one's coming. So. Uh, but yeah, anyways, we'll see what happens. Uh, so there you go, E3. Uh, there you E3, go. E3, baby. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, at the last, speaking of game shows, at the last Game Awards show, yeah. From Software announced their next big Vidya game coming live to you this year, uh, 2023. That's the next iteration of the Armored Core series, Armored mm-hmm. Core 6, Fires of Rubicon. Now, I think... Uh, I think for the most part, I think a lot of From Software fans, fans were kind of like, maybe not <laughs> specifically torn, but kind of just completely unaware of what the fuck Armored Core is. Because I think a lot of a lot of maybe casual Souls fans didn't realize that they made games outside of this. Absolutely. So, yeah. Uh, I actually knew Armored Core, Armored Core existed, Cap, but I didn't realize it was a FromSoft game. Yeah. So... I mean, I'm, I was pretty aware of their previous games. I mean, you know, they had, uh, what's that, uh, King something. Uh, that's not coming to my head. It will eventually. Uh, but, yeah, they've got a, had a couple of games that they and IPs that they developed prior before to them kind of uh, going with Demon Souls and whatever else. But uh, Armored Core was uh, the 
one of their early iterations and was, you know, quite well loved by a lot of people, I think, just for its complexity uh, to that, that it brought to the, I guess, the mech genre and how it kind of mm. offered that to, to gamers. So uh, I think it's been 10 years or something, I think, 10 years, something like that, 10 years since the previous titles. And uh, last year was its 25th anniversary. So Armored Core's Jesus. been around for a freaking while, dude. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, but anyway, so uh, at the Taipei Game Show, I think they had a particular name for it, but uh, the name's not quite coming to uh, my my brain. But uh, they, they had a segment that had uh, the, well, From Software's one of their major game developers, uh, sorry, designers and uh, directors, uh, Yasunori Agura, Mm. And Yasunori had a bit of a uh, quick chat with the MC of the event. Uh, a bit of a chin shared, wag, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, a bit of a chin mm. wag. Shared a few little tidbits before I think they do a big information dump at some point this year. That they kind of, well, they they definitely alluded to the fact that we'd be getting some information about the game pretty soon. So mm-hmm, maybe mm-hmm. we'll see something happening at one of the kind of E three ish timed events. Maybe yeah. not. Who knows? Uh, but anyway, so there was a lot of things that came out of that, Chris. Now, did you have a bit of a look at this? I've kind of got. I, I did. I did, mate. I found it. Uh, the first point that I took away from this cap is he kind of mentioned that they had a number of staff members for a long time that have always wanted to make another Armored Core title. Um, but between the 2013 release of Armored Core and uh, now, they've all been pulled on other projects uh, from software games like Bloodborne, Dark Souls 1, 2, 3, Sekiro and other bits and pieces. And they've now only rarely just had the, the resources and time to put into this Armored Core game. So I found that quite interesting. They've obviously you know, got a pretty dedicated... Um, Do you know dedicated- what that translates to me, Grizz? That's uh, not going to be great because they're going to use their resources on other shit. No, or what? I reckon. I reckon <laughs> it'll be good, but yeah. I think I think um, Armored Core was a hard sell, and they needed to change. That's why they didn't make an Armored Core game since the Soulsborne series has kind of been generated. Mm. Right? They yeah. hit a good thing with Soulsborne. They made a good bit of coin, and then obviously they started to get towards the end of you know them generating games for that, and they were making more and more money. Obviously, Elden Ring has been insanely popular. Dark Souls yep. 3 and Sekiro mm-hmm. before that were also very popular. Uh, but I think Armored Core's a harder sell to the general public. And I think yeah, now, I that they've that. Got, now that they've got this backing of good games, people trust them as a developer. And, mm. you, know, you know, from software's in the same kind of echelon as pl- people like Naughty Dog and Rockstar. Like, in my eyes, you know, these guys have a name for themselves now. So that I think they can venture back into this genre and this IP that they clearly have a lot of love for. And actually make a really good game because, A, yes, they've uh, had a lot of development experience now generating some incredibly good titles, but they've got a really big fan base that they can open it up to and maybe get some new people involved in a genre and IP that maybe not interested. Absolutely. And I love how they say the developers took the lessons learned from working on these other games to help build uh, kind of like a new action type for Armored Core even though they do go on to say that they're, don't worry, it's still going to retain what you had in Armored Core, but we've just mm-hmm. taken all these great bits and, and made this game. So actually, actually, like listening to this cap and reading this has made me maybe a little bit more excited for the game, even though it's not my wheelhouse like you. I just feel like, you know, they're such a powerhouse studio. It's like we talked about this last week. It used to be the Ubisoft when you see that dev on, on something. Um, back in the day, it would be like, yes, this game is going to be great. 
yeah, FromSoft has kind of got that feeling yeah. for me. So yeah, I, don't know. I think. Look, they also mentioned within this um, this interview, and I'll, I'll pick out a few extra points soon. Uh, mm. But one thing that they did mention is, is I guess, just how boss battles are approached in this game. And it kind mm. of made me realise that I think I'm at core for From Software. Like the games before this one, uh, 10 years ago, I think there was yeah. a lot of things that happened in those games that actually probably informed a lot of the Soulsborne genre as well. Mm-hmm. Because I think, uh, you know, the whole idea of utilising... Uh, you know, close observation of enemy movements and stuff to try and figure out more, it's like that combat puzzle kind oh, of yeah, thing yeah. going on. That so sounds think, that sounds like Souls to me. Yeah, but, that but is it a, was happening in Armored Core before Souls. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm, and I mm-hmm. mean, really, it was happening in other games as well. You know, there's a lot of games that implement kind of, I guess, like combat puzzles. Uh, but I think uh, for for From Software, obviously, I think the Soulsborne series really took that to the next level. I think yep. there sounds like there was rumblings of that being a kind of key characteristics from the Armored Core games from back in the day. And now they're really working to bring that back into Armored Core 6 with boss battles, again, requiring kind of that close observation to kind of tell you when, oh, when's the best time to attack or to mm-hmm, do whatever mm-hmm. else. But I think mm-hmm. the next part is, and one thing that's really key to the Armored Core games, if you're not aware, so Armored Core is this kind of mech game, you know, yada, yada, yada. But the whole idea is that you there's all these pieces that you can put on your mech and yep. those pieces have different values for, you know, this, that, or they can perform different functions, yada, yada, yada. Uh, but, you know, you players use various different pieces like the, the actual core of the mech, the heads, the weapons, you know, you mm-hmm. combine all these to generate your, your, your very own mech, so, which is pretty cool. Uh, but that customization is where I guess the game, because to me, I was like, yes, yeah, so this is just basically Souls with a, with a uh, with a mech, but it, I guess it's the customization is way more in depth here, and mm. the customization is what carries the missions sort of style of the game. So the game's broken into missions, but that customization of your mech is is really important for how you complete missions. And so you obviously get some information about the missions, or need to. Uh, you know, that kind of uh, trial and error kind of thing from Abs- Souls games. Absolutely. You know, you're going to probably have to try a mission a couple of times. And go, well, that didn't work quite well. I need to maybe switch out my core for something a little bit different to take on that or do this. So that customization is going to be really important it's, for it's how key, you approach key, missions. Key to overcoming the game's difficulty is the customizations piece, yes. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, so I think more so than Souls because Souls you can kind mm. of apply. You, that customization for your character is more of a way for you to express the way you want to play the game within the yep. limits of and boundaries of what's possible, obviously. Mm-hmm. But for, for Armored Core, I think the customization is going to be much more in-depth and probably drive you in certain ways uh, and maybe expand the way you play the game a little bit through the through the game. Because I think with Souls, you tend to stick to a particular you know, weapon type or uh, <laughs> whatever else. Soul, mate, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's how you pl- approach strength, the game. Yeah. But I think mm. by the looks of things with Armored Core, it's going to be well within mm. your interest to maybe change up your mech a little bit to make some of the missions be a little bit easier. And, and yeah. But, I mean, actually, that's another uh, interesting point, obviously making things easier with the customization. But, uh, mm-hmm. yes, Nori did mention that, you know, this game's going to be, have, be a pretty stiff challenge for a lot of people. So they're still mm-hmm. kind of sticking with that. You know, from software's known for creating these complex, challenging games. They're still sticking with this kind of. Uh, Do you remember they said that uh, that Elden Ring was going to be more accessible to people in the Souls universe? And 
what people thought that meant is that it was going to be an easier game. And it yeah. is to some certain aspects, like it is, because you can go and do your farming in bits and pieces. But if you walk out yeah. and try to kill that first boss that you see in the tutorial area, quotation yeah. marks, you'll get your ass kicked over and over again. So yeah. I wonder. I think, yeah. I think a lot of the accessibility comes from being able to tackle the game in different ways. Absolutely. Uh, and it's, yeah. it, whereas a lot of the earlier games, Dark Souls 1 through to 3, you know, you can find yourself in an area that you just have to belt your head against until you get past it because yeah. that's literally the next thing you have to do. Whereas with, with Elden Ring, yes, there are moments of that, but for the most part, it's a big open world. You can go and do something else for a bit. Yeah, you know, Maybe you get an item there. If you've put your points in, say, the wrong stat and it doesn't scale with your weapon, then you're going to be hitting like a wet sock exactly. trying, to hit, trying to kill the boss. Yeah, and it's interesting, Cap, because they do touch on... Uh, they do touch on like that because the assembly, the assembly of your mech sounds quite complex. They have said uh, mech assembly will also be more in intuitive this time around, um, as to be friendly to newcomers of the series. So, yeah, which sounds um, great. I think yeah. I would be worried if they were going too hardcore. When it, <laughs> excuse my pun, uh, but. Mm -hmm. um, I'd be worried if they weren't maybe catering as to new players as much, which I mean, I mean, honestly, who's not going to cater to new players, especially when you're trying to make big, big sums of cash. Um, I think, you know, maybe uh, FromSoft are less likely to cater to newer players, but I think you still need, especially a game like Armored Core that is well known for being uh, obtusely complex yeah. uh, with it, just the way that you create mechs and what parts do what and mm. all these different systems that are going on. And, you know, you're trying to manage freaking you know, uh, hydraulic bars and freaking pressure systems and all this mm -hmm. other shit. So I think being able to present that in a way that is still complex and still enables you to have that complex um, game and uh, experience, but also being able to present that in a way that new players can interface with, I think is really, really important. And it's going to be interesting to see how, what they actually mean by, Making the things more intuitive and logical. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna really look forward to seeing uh, the comparison videos of systems in six versus maybe some of the older games, mm -hmm. and just seeing how they approach this kind of thing. So absolutely, yeah, it looks good. It looks really so. Good. So, Cap, yeah. um, there was some questions around Miyazaki's involvement in the development of this game, and. Um, this kind of put this to bed a little bit. They said uh, Miyazaki, along with the co-director and producer Kenneth Chan, worked with others to create the game's map design, actions, and many other core elements in the game's foundation. So sounds like yep. he has been reasonably involved in the development of this game and bits and pieces. Yeah, so. sounds like he's probably now working on something else, maybe some Elden Ring DLC. Oh, yeah, baby. Uh, but yeah, it sounds like they probably just got him in to begin with, A, mm. to steer the the project i mean he has been one of the key reasons for the success of from software in my opinion uh yes it is a company of you know many many devs and they are together a team but i think miyazaki's brilliant mind for generating these incredible soulsborne games really obviously made them a shitload of cash but uh i think obviously the second reason is they had to say he was on it because you know another reason to just try and lure people into trying this game out it's like oh absolutely yeah, miyazaki's in it but, you know yeah. miyazaki's a freaking he's like a jesus christ like figure for a lot of soulsborne gamers so you know they had to mm -hmm. bait the hook and dangle it in front of them so i think that was uh, exactly what they wanted to do at this particular event and they did it so smart now smart uh, Riz, the yep. final thing i kind of wanted to go through well, a couple of final things firstly mm -hmm. 
there will be a story mode, but they're also going to have uh, some multiplayer elements as well. Uh, the story mm. mode will be completely single player, though. So that is your single player thing that you go and do yourself. So there you go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, the other thing they're going to be doing is an online battle arena, which is oh. PvP-style stuff. So mech v. mech shit. So that could be pretty cool. When I reckon that'd be the vast- sick, dude. Yeah. Well, when you think about the amount of customization that they're touting for this particular game, yeah. This PvP could be pretty intricate and cool. Absolutely, yeah. You know? Well, I mean, so, we see we see quite complex and it's, you know, nothing on the scale of, of Dark Souls, but they know how to kind of run PvP, Cap. I think in most yeah. Souls games, we've got reasonably successful PvP scenes in those. In fact, I would arguably say that's what's probably keeping Elden Ring alive at the moment is that PvP scene. So, hmm, cool. Yeah, so there you go. And, um, I mean, for any lore aficionados, it sounds like, you know, they'll probably take a very similar approach to generating a you know a very impressive universe of lore and story uh, that uh, may or may not be hidden behind a bunch of um, you know uh, textbooks and and in-game uh, item descriptions, but uh, we'll see. But it looks like so. I mean, firstly, the game takes place on Rubicon Three, hence the name Fires of Rubicon. Uh, it sort of borrows a lot from the older games where oh, cool. uh, you know. They hmm. kind of feature desolate wastelands and e- evil corporations, etc. So seems like this particular, you know, the things happening on Rubicon 3, a bit of a struggle for control for materials because there's hmm. a, you know, this uh, desolate wasteland post-apocalyptic thing that's happened. And the player character, yourself, is an independent mercenary uh, that works amongst these fires of conflict. Uh, so conflict for these materials and what else, yeah. whatever else is happening on there. And uh, yeah, that's what kind of sparks all these different missions that you're doing as a mercenary. So, and then yeah, again, those missions are kind of you know there's different um, variables such as other mechs you'd be fighting and tasks to do, which will also inform how you may want to set up your mech. So mm-hmm. yeah, overall, I think um, this little tidbit made me a little bit more excited for the game because again, we've spoken about it before. Mechs not really my thing, but I think <laughs> these are like Lord. not. Mm. These are not like superhero mechs, if that makes sense. That's probably the best way I can describe it. Like superhero anime mechs. I'm talking like your um, um, frick. What's the main mech one? Not even Galleon, but the Gundam. Uh, Gundam. Yeah. So I'm not super into the Powers whole Gundam art style, mm. uh, but this kind of sleek, uh, kind of Metal Gear Solid style mech looking shit. That's the kind of shit I'm into. So yeah. I, if I was going to go with anything mech like that's where I'm at and I think this has definitely got the kind of aesthetic that I'd be chasing if I was going to venture into there and now, uh, yeah now cap um one thing we take for granted with from soft games is uh and we don't even talk about this it wasn't on our agenda but the monetization mate this is a one 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 pay game we should congratulate from soft to continually bringing out these one one cost one off payment games that are full of content uh that they yeah. actively develop bits and pieces for them so thank you well will okay will there be a battle pass or something for armored core i, I can know. see it happening honestly I, don't know. I doubt it dude that's just not their thing maybe this is the first time they do that but i don't see it i don't see it happening do you know what i i'm going to say they start to dip their toes into microtransactions yeah because it makes sense right like i don't know it just seems like the kind of game that you could easily do it with and it not be out of place yeah, uh, I, I would agree probably with that. not. Mm. I wouldn't think that they lock parts or anything behind a, a paywall, but I think maybe a cosmetic battle pass because they're going to make you want to, you know, make your mech look cool and customization. 
maximize. This sounds like a pole coming up to the release of, of uh, Armored Core. Write it down, Pav. We need to make this a pole. Mm-hmm. Um, so write that down somewhere. But yes, anyways, I think um, for me, definitely, excuse me, um, definitely made me more excited to cool. see what this game has in store. Yeah. Okay. Uh, again, they did note that there would be some more info dropping soon, TM. They didn't say exactly mm. when, but uh, in the, they said in the coming days. Now, I mean, you know, next year has coming days. So, I mean, <laughs> it could be who fucking knows how long we're going to have to wait for more information. But I'd imagine they do expect the 2023 release. So I'd imagine we'll expect some information soon. Again, mm-hmm. no idea when, but yeah. So keep your ears uh, on this podcast. We'll fucking bring it to you. Don't you worry about that. So there you go. Um, all right. Now, moving along, Gris, Jesus, Wizards of the Coast. Now, I mean, this has been, this particular controversy that we're going to talk to you guys about has been (laughs) happening for a while now, and I kind of just let it go because there's been shit happening to it every Mm. week, and I think Mm -hmm. it's it's kind of quelled now, and we've got the full story, and I... And also, it's incredibly complex. So I'm going to do my best to kind of go through this with you, Grizz, and hopefully yeah, you get a reasonable let's... understanding. But fucking hell, there is a lot of fucking elements to this. Let's let's break it all down. Cap, you start, mate, and I'll chime in where I see little tidbits, mate. All right. So basically, you know, D&D, Dungeons & Dragons, right? It mm. is a tabletop game that has a rule set. And that rule set, is basically defines how you approach the game and play the game. You know, it gives you ideas for the universe and how you might create stories that exist within the bounds of this game. Yep. Uh, you know, the the rule set, the mechanics, you know, etc. Now, once upon a time, they created the OGL for their first iteration of D&D or, you know, whatever iteration that uh, the OGL became. The year, year 2000. Year 2000. That was the first okay. one? Okay. Yep. So that's... You know, obviously, what twenty three years ago, so it's quite an mm. old document. Uh, now D and D is, I believe, fifty years old or something like that. So, I mean, the OGL hasn't been around as long as the game, clearly. So, I thought it was around as from day dot, but apparently not. Mm. Anyways, um, kind of um, getting sidetracked, but anyway, so that is the open game license. Now, this basically yeah. tells you what players can do with that, with with this intellectual property, right? So. Um, it, it tells you, you know, how, what they can craft and monetize within their own kind of tabletop experiences, right? Uh, so, you know, what D&D use, uh, what D&D rules they can kind of craft and monetize, you know, the only thing they have to kind of avoid is these official characters and settings, et cetera. So you can use, you know, use our, uh, our world and this and that, but mm. you can't use these particular things and monetize it. So, so, so this resulted in, Cap, like, you know, so much homebrew content, character yeah. sheets, races, uh, yeah. whole worlds. Like the, and that's the beauty of D&D that, you know, people were creating all this content but also yeah. they were having financial gain from this as well, weren't they, Cap? Like yeah. a lot of people. But you, you might argue that, it was that content creation that, yeah. you know, Wizards of the Coast couldn't have possibly generated at the same speed that they did mm-hmm. uh, without the help of a burgeoning community. Absolutely. Uh, you know, it, they it probably wouldn't be this the, big now. Into the limelight and the success, 100%, you know. If, you, if you're just relying on Wizards of the Coast to bring out content, you wouldn't have nearly as booming market, successful market that we've got now in, in D&D for sure. Exactly. So anyway, so, you know, 20 odd years later, um, everyone's loving D&D. You know, there's been a really big 
you know, push with D&D and tabletop gaming, I, I would say almost certainly because we had a pandemic and people were stuck at home and wanted new mm-hmm. ways to interface and socialise with people. And so people were giving uh, D&D a bit of a crack. Now, uh, yeah, fast forward to the last few weeks, uh, a leaked draft of the new OGL that Wizards of the Coast had put together, OGL 1.1, uh, was was kind of leaked down into the community. And a few of the drastic changes included a 25% royalty and revenue from OGL uh, creators, uh, mm-hmm. earning above $750,000 a year, which, I mean, obviously mm-hmm. wouldn't affect an awful lot of people, but would affect some of the bigger content creators. Um, you know, there was also a apparent ban on virtual tabletop simulators, so I think things like Roll20, et cetera. Uh, but again... This is these are the services that really made D and D a thing uh, absolutely. over COVID and whatnot. Mm. Uh, but yeah, it was also um, uh, basically deauthorizing anything made according to previous OGL. So basically mm. invalidated old OGLs as well. So uh, mm. you know, it kind and of there's a lot into of question. people, a lot of people, cap that have made successful franchises. And let's just talk about the one that is clearly in front of our face that is probably the most successful Twitch channel, but. Um, critical role, you know, have have built this huge cult following. Could you imagine if they have to pay twenty percent of their of their royalties and their income to because of yeah, this? Yes, it'd be quite a lot of money. Um, absolutely, quite a lot of money. I suppose. Do you know what? There's a part of me that kind of sees the point of this because you've got this major mm. intellectual property like mm. uh, that is generating vast amounts of income to the point where critical role now has a amazon tv show that i can only imagine that wizard of the coast have absolutely nothing to do with and gain no money from yeah i can only imagine how it feels to know that your rule set and all that well your your mm-hmm. your your thing is being used like this and maybe you didn't expect it to be used to this capacity and stuff absolutely um, yeah Maybe I can understand wanting maybe a little slice of the pie. I can totally get that because I think I would feel like that to some degree. If people, if someone was making a shitload of cash off something I created and I maybe kind of made it free anyway, but I'd be yeah. like, come on, man, hook me up, will you, please? I wonder whether Critical Role makes more money than Wizards of the Coast does from D&D. <laughs> I don't really know. I mean, it seems like, you know, well, it says here Critical Role uh, is one of the highest paid uh, mm. channels on Twitch, uh, earning more than $9.6 million in 2019. So that's probably not as much as Wizard of the Coast are making, but I'm sure that they've done the math and they've gone, cool, we could be making yeah. a lot more money if we just got a little bit of royalties cranking. So anyways, I think this is where a lot of the OGL came out now. Mm. Uh, you know, Public, particular- public perception on this was... At this oh, point in bad. time, was really bad. If you were any yeah. anything in the in the D and D community on Twitter or even listen to D and D podcasts, people were absolutely losing their mind over the, at this point in time over this announcement, thinking that you know potentially the way they've rewritten this, all of the content you're creating are also not owned by you. They are owned by yeah. Wizard Wizard of the Coast now. I think that was the big one as well. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, obviously, yeah, they had a massive kind of revolt. There was even like a uh, an open letter that was published by you know a bunch of different um, D and D creators. Uh, looks like there was over sixty thousand or something like that that mm. that uh, signed this particular letter that basically just said, "Look, you guys need to revoke this. This is disgusting." Like, uh, you know, D and D's success uh, is probably owed a lot to the content creators. Again, as we well recognise, you know, there's no way that 
I think Wizards of the Coast would have such a popular D&D tabletop game without the content creators creating that and, you know, again, fostering the wider community because that's what this game is. It's, it's about sitting There's down no way. and playing Could a game. Could you imagine walking into a game, uh, like, a, like a say a shop, picking up the D&D book and going, oh, yeah, this like, you just probably wouldn't. Because it's so fucking complex. The thing that drove me to want to play D&D was literally listening to people playing it and going, oh, that's really, this sounds really cool. I might give this a go. Like it mm-hmm. has literally yep. for me, that's the reason why I've played D&D from a content creator. Yeah, absolutely. So it kind of looks to me like overall Grizz, uh, Wizard of the Coast were trying to consolidate because there's been mm. uh, some early drafts of the next D&D iteration so they last one was fight fifth edition that came out in like 2014 or something like that now dnd one's the next iteration of that and it looks like they're kind of really trying to monetize this bad boy mm-hmm. in a way you know they think they're trying to simplify the rule set a lot but also bring it into you know app versions because they've obviously seen how popular uh you know online tabletop virtual stuff is so i think they're really trying to consolidate you know bring the ip in copyright it and sell it. That's what they're trying to do. Now, don't forget, Wizards of the Coast is owned by... Uh, fuck, who owns them? Wizards uh, of the Coast. Why can't I remember their name? They are owned by Hasbro. Now, Hasbro, yeah, mm. uh, yeah they basically just hold a shitload of uh, other subsidiaries, but they make a lot of money. This is like a $10 billion company we're talking about here. So yeah, they probably... Now, I think I think Hasbro bought them like oh, not that long ago. I think... Uh, uh, no, hang on. It was a while ago. 1999. Anyways, so they've owned them for a fair while, but I'm, I'm sure Hasbro mm. was like, hey, we could be making some more money here, fellas. Why don't we uh, make this new OGL? Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah. Anyways, obviously it came out. Big fracture in the community. And I think what's happened next is other tabletop providers like Pathfinder have gone, ah, excellent. I can, uh, you know, (laughs) bring in my tabletop system and licenses and, uh, you know, maybe uh, fill a gap here that Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. Wizards of the Coast have uh, sort of left bleeding. So, uh, yeah, anyways, that's kind of happened. And I think what's happened next is Wizards of the Coast have gone into damage control uh, because they've realised just how big a fuck-up this was. Absolutely. On so many levels. Mm. Uh, They really pissed off their community which let's be honest they're the ones who pay for all the shit so uh not ideal uh but yeah they basically had this big uh yeah and ex- response they, they go they go the first statement is uh we're, we're basically trying to stop people making money from our franchise through unethical ways like nfts crypto blockchain games um yeah. So they've kind of said it like this. It is clear the reaction. Uh, it is clear from the reaction that we rolled a one, and that it is no longer possible to fully achieve all three goals that we set out. Um, yeah. So, like, I don't know, man. I mean, it sounds good on paper. I think I think it's an okay response because maybe they were, and I, I do believe, Cap, that there would be uh, there would be a lot of people making money in that space from NFTs uh, and, and whatnot. Maybe, but I mean, NFTs are barely really supported these days. I mean, you know, long gone are the days where you could buy an NFT eight for millions of dollars. Like, I just don't see that being much of an issue. I, I just think this was a knee-jerk reaction and it was a marketing decision to try and do a bit of a bait-and-switch kind of thing and just say, oh, it was the NFTs all along, you know? So I, I think that's bullshit, to be honest. So just doing a, doing maybe a quick, there was a, doing a quick a Google here. 
Uh, so Dungeon Swap uh, is a RPG on the Bitcoin, uh, Binance Smart Chain. Stake now, earn D&D tokens, uh, and get ready for your dungeon adventure. And it looks like there's to be a bunch of those. Okay. Uh, so well, I would have I thought that they could, you know, like just the idea of using the word D&D token, I would have thought maybe that would be a copyright infringement that they could chase. Maybe not. I, I don't really know. But mm. yeah, look, if they really wanted to quash NFTs, they should have been more explicit in their their OGL 1.1. Again, I think this is, this is much more just a knee-jerk reaction to try and save a little bit of face and be like, again, it was the NFTs all along. It wasn't us. I tell you what, be Kat, the good guys. I would be fucking gutted if they stopped me using Roll20 because I legitimately just sunk like 450 bucks into getting all the books in there. Yep. Yep. <laughs> That's absolutely. how expensive they are in, yeah. in Roll20 yeah, as a digital. It's, crazy. Mm. it's absolutely crazy how much money people will have to spend on the app versions of shit. But, uh, mm-hmm. but yeah. So, anyways, that's kind of what happened next. Uh, effectively, a lot of people kind of came out and said, okay, uh, well, hang on. So uh, what they then did is they created a revised version that basically, you know, tried to sort of correct some of the things that they fucked up. Uh, yeah. And mm-hmm. but a lot of fans have sort of turned around and gone, well, you know, you've kind of already done the damage. We can kind of see through what you guys are trying to do here. So they're maybe maybe not coming back to the D and D kind of universe. Uh, but yeah, it's um it's been an incredibly interesting uh, kind of time and and wading through all the bits and pieces that have kind of happened is. Is really interesting because one thing that I found particularly interesting is uh, the original OGL doesn't really give you the opportunity to really make an off like money off this anyway. It's kind of just like it doesn't word it very well in a way that mm. people are just already making the money and it was kind of like too hard to really um, justify <laughs> okay. in courts and stuff. So I think really they probably would have liked to have maybe earned their their money, but they just never could because the OGL never really worded it in a, in a particularly good way. So to give you an idea is like the OGL doesn't do a good job of being like, you know, a initiative check or, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, what do you call it? A, um, uh, like a skill check, sorry, uh, is a D&D rule which cannot be reproduced in other content. doesn't do a good job of that, but it does do a good job of being like, uh, you know, uh, this particular spell uh, that has a particular name uh, in the D&D universe. You absolutely cannot use that. Throughout the uh, right. in other in uh, other licensed content that you're creating based on D and D, but what you could do is jumble the letters up in the name of that and make it do the exact same thing as that particular spell in D and D, and resell it. So, I think uh, yeah, basically the whole the initial OGL was too generic for them to really so uh, had like push. a video video games because a lot of the games that we see cap and straight comes to my mind is you know Icewind Dale, Baldur's Gate, Divinity Original Sin Two, and all those games that leverage well, off D&D rule sets. I think Baldur's Gate and Neverwinter Nights and stuff are licensed Wizards of the Coast. Wizards of the Coast. Okay. Um, now, yeah. obviously, Divinity Original Sin I, is definitely not. Um, yeah. But I would have thought that their next Baldur's Gate game probably has something to do with Wizards of the Coast because mm. Baldur's Gate. Again, I'm. I don't know for sure. Maybe I'm talking shit. Someone can tweet me and say you're an idiot, Cap. That's not got nothing to do with it but i mean yeah i don't know i'm pretty sure uh that that game will be licensed to some degree through wizards because well it uses a lot of again things that will probably breach the ogl yeah so 
Yeah, anyways, um, pretty big story. Uh, and I'm glad we let it simmer for a little bit because it's very confusing and very complex in terms of what you can and can't do with the OGL. And I hope we did a decent job of kind of well, explaining that to you guys at home. But still, absolutely. Well, yeah. as, as the outcomes, Cap, they did say that educational, charitable campaigns, live streams, cosplays uh, will remain unaffected by the OGL update. So critical roles, fine, mate. And basically, basically anything we've got to do with it or or immediately will be yeah will be fine in the interim i'm sure they'll probably come back to it at some point try and stick their fingers in the pie because uh that's just what you do you you try and get a bit of money later so save face now make cash later but yeah anyway so that's the freaking dnd controversy grits yes completely so. well not unrelated to dnd because it's in the similar kind of uh mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know universe of uh uh, I don't know, gaming. Um, but AI voicing, Grizz, have you ever heard of this? AI voicing, yes, I have. Mate. Well, I have kind of seen it. it inadvertently, though, Cap, right? So the example you shared, yeah, 100%, and I'll let you talk about that. But if you go into um, Admiral Bulldog's stream and you spend half an hour in there, he's got an AI voice that reads out text-to-speech in um, Donald Trump's voice, and it sounds... Perfect. It is yeah. literally Donald Trump reading the text-to-speech commands. Yeah. So this technology exists, right? And uh, what people are using it for right now, uh, mm. modders in particular, is mm. they are using AI cloning software to, well, they pump it full of a particular game character's voice lines or whatever else, and then they use that to generate more voice lines for their yeah. mods. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, yeah, they can make them say all kinds of silly shit. So uh, mm-hmm. this particular instance that I found online uh, was someone uh, recreating Melina, uh, Melina's voice from Elden Ring uh, for their modding stuff. So uh, anyways, this it's an interesting place that we're living in, Grizz, because we obviously have the rise of chat uh, GPT mm-hmm. and a lot of mm-hmm. other AI kind of, uh, machine learning based. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Art was a big one we were talking about a few months AI ago as well. Art yeah. as well. But mm-hmm. I think this one's particularly interesting, Grizz, because this is someone's voice, right? Yeah. yeah. Now, if it was an actor, uh, I get where a, you're going here. If yeah, it was an actor okay. with a particular image, you mm. would probably have to license their images. Well, you would. I mean, this is why a lot of video games they don't use the kind of render of a particular or likeness of a particular actor that plays a particular character if mm. they're kind of using a movie or something as the setting and content for a video game because the licensing for the actor would be too much and they just yeah. can't do it. So like they paid Norman Reedus a heap of money to be the actor in that video game because they're using him. But Cap, I would also go to say that the AI art is probably someone's art as well. Absolutely. Exactly mm. right. And it's the same ethical thing. You are using someone's voice who yeah. hasn't consented to that voice being utilised. Okay, that now, makes sense, yeah. That's kind of, I guess, where this comes from. Now, I follow a guy on uh, Twitter called mm. uh, A.E. Jordan. Now, Alex Jordan is a voice actor from the UK uh, and worked on things such as Warhammer 40K, uh, also done some stuff in Dying Light 2. Oh, yeah, remember uh, you telling me about this. Yeah, yeah this guy, this guy yeah. also did, like, the combat noises and stuff for Demon mm. Souls. So, you know... Uh, but he basically shared this tweet and was like, hey, where's the consent? Like, yeah. you know, this kind of sucks for voice actors because, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, we're just giving away our shit for free and no one's kind of helping us <laughs> out. Like, 
Yeah, it's yeah. super super sucks. Um, but he kind of likened it to, uh, you know, you wouldn't kind of take, you wouldn't record record someone in their day to day life, mm. uh, and you know, just out of the blue without someone's consent. So why are you doing this? You know. But the thing is, Grizz, the option's oh, there hard, for people man. to do it, and they're going to do it anyway. Yeah, I mean, look, they will do all kinds of other shit. That it's, in the far this is a really hard thing, and, and, I, and I can see where this is going wrong. I'm going to put a slight another take on it here, Cap, right, and talk about advancement in technology and the benefits that it can provide, provide us as a, as a whole society. And maybe there's a better way to integrate these people getting royalties or something, but you yeah. know, I, I'm always a fan of thinking about you know, putting a blocker on something like AI art, AI voices, AI sounds, whatever it is, um, is potentially putting a blocker on, on technology advancing and providing us with something that might be cheaper, that might be faster, um, that might provide you with a better service overall. And Cap, when I was in my younger years, I wanted to dive for my job. I wanted to be a commercial diver. I went and paid $13,500 to get my tickets Mm-hmm. Um, I was a science diver for three years and then uh, up came remote operated vehicles and could do the exact same job I was doing but safer and more affordable and more reliable because divers get tired, they get sick and everything else. Um, and I lost that job. Now, it's slightly different because you're using people's work and bits and pieces. But if you can get a product that is going to be a more technological technologically advanced piece like it's going to be faster it's going to be cheaper more effective figure out a way to pay the artists i don't know man i think there's positives here too that you can't ignore yeah is my i think take um it. i think maybe we need to look at licensing a voice perhaps and maybe mm. there's like a fucking spotify netflix version of you know licensing that people can subscribe to and use shit for i don't know what does that look like i'm not smart enough to to do that but i'm sure (laughs) that there's someone maybe working on it but yeah Mm. i think um the bigger issue is a consent problem yes i agree about the whole fact that we might be inhibiting technological advancement to some degree i guess but um you know people are still going to do it whether they have people's permission or not uh but yeah if you're worried one thing i will say is if you're worried about Mm. losing your job to um you know ai and programming Become a programmer because you're not going to lose your fucking job that way unless you're yeah, shit at your job. Yeah, very true, very true, dude. And look, there still is there still is science divers. There's stu- there's always get, okay. There's always probably going to be stuff that artists and voice actors can do that AI can't. Um, oh, absolutely. There's, there's still stuff that divers can do that robots can't. An example is they can't feel things. They you can't go down to a coral and actually touch it because some coral and sponges look exactly the same until you go and touch it. An yeah. ROV cannot give you that that piece, and I'm sure the same yeah. is in art. If well, you wanted to do some some particular, yeah, not yet. That's probably going <laughs> to make a little fucking tactile hand or something yeah. that can Look, do that. It's, it's always a, there's always going to be a requirement for human uh, to some degree because mm. until we hit the fucking Will Smith levels of fucking AI robots, uh, which probably won't happen for a very long time. Uh, yeah, it's kind of um, hard. Funny story, Cap. Before we move on to the next one, but. Uh, the girl that voiced all of the Google Maps, um, female voice for Google Maps, wasn't told that that's what she was voicing it for. And she said, all these voice lines got paid by the hour, all these voice lines, all these voice lines, all yeah. these voice lines, and did all this thing. And now she is probably the most heard voice, you know, anywhere 
and and it wasn't yeah. till she was down the track and and was uh, figured out that that's what they used her her, her voice lines for. So yeah, it's interesting. interesting. Like, kind of just quickly, kind of signing this one off. But it kind of you'd be spewing if you found out that your voice was that internationally recognized and used yeah. on software that makes millions and billions of dollars a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you've just basically got you probably a made a couple rate. of grand or something. You made fuck all. <laughs> you know, you'd be spewing. Yeah. You would really be spewing. Yeah. Which I suppose mm. kind of is parallel to that whole Bayonetta three voice actress thing, where she cracked the shits about not getting paid enough money for act, uh, voice acting the latest iteration. But anyways, we won't go into that one. We've been through that one before. But yeah, anyways, signing off on a very interesting kind of place to be in. I guess are we doing the right thing by the actors? Maybe not. Who knows? Let us know what you guys think on Twitter. Just fucking tweet at us or some shit. I don't know. Tweet right. us, dude. Tweet us, dude. Um, but yeah, there you go. Now, Grizz, mm. have you played Final <laughs> Fantasy Online? I don't think you have. <laughs> nah. Uh, no, haven't. No. You have, though, Cap? I have indeed. Now, I haven't mm-hmm. done any raids, but I've done a few dungeons. Mm. Uh, but uh, look, recently, uh, the Final Fantasy uh, Online video game released a new patch which included a new ultimate raid right so that's uh, the the top of the was a uh, very difficult content yeah. etc now a few things happened right firstly to give you guys some context if you've played other mmos for example uh if you've played world of warcraft you'd know that world of warcraft has quite a uh, strong modding slash add-on community so you know world of warcraft is built to enable people to build add-ons for that game to improve the ui etc i think a lot of wow's uh kind of continued success probably came from some particularly popular uh add-ons such as elf ui that kind of reworked the ui Mm -hmm. and made the game a bit more up to spec with modern experiences etc so blizzard had to do very little uh you might even argue that other games like the elder scrolls games have had similar kind of things happen so anyways that's uh that but with uh final fantasy online uh square enix does not allow the use of third-party tools which includes add-ons right so one thing that is particularly interesting can can you not have add-ons in final fantasy no you cannot you cannot have any add-ons wow they are prohibited for use within final fantasy online now I think a lot of the reasoning for that, and I'm going to use the DPS meter as a as a particular uh, reference point here. In World of Warcraft, in the dungeon and raiding scene, there mm-hmm. is, I guess, a lot of competitiveness that comes from the damage numbers you produce in yep. your damage meter. That mm-hmm. damage meter is not provided by Blizzard. It comes from a third-party add-on. So mm-hmm. that's a, I guess, a... Uh, I guess an organic, but um, you know, non-Blizzard created competitive aspect to that game. Now, I think not including damage meters or third-party tools has helped Square Enix produce an environment that maybe is a little bit less competitive. Yeah, uh, absolutely. For Final Fantasy. Now they mm-hmm. exist. You can go and download a damage meter, but will you get banned if you do that? You will get banned if you like. For ex- I believe there has been people on Twitch that have been banned for showing the use of the wow. party tools. Wow. Okay. Like that. Yeah. Right. I believe. Now, I didn't realize it was there. that intense on there. Mm. It sure is, my friend. Now, this particular incident, uh, basically, this raiding guild uh, uh, got a world first clear uh, for a new raid that has has just dropped rec- in a recent patch. Now, the what they did. Right, they. I don't think they even showed their damage meters in the actual clear of the raid. But what they did show 
is they mm. zoomed out very, very far beyond <laughs> the bounds of what the developers thought were possible. Yeah. So mm. they had an add-on that enabled them to zoom out to, you know, bounds uh, that the camera couldn't normally do. So they got a really good bird's eye view of what was happening in the raid area. Uh, and that, yeah, which clearly helped them uh, in their world first because, well, mm -hmm. depending on whether other people were using it or not, you know, whatever. But yeah, anyway, so what's happened is they've got an award first. They posted that on YouTube and it's been seen by uh, mm -hmm. Yoshi P, who is the uh, kind of rock star Square Enix uh, Final Fantasy Online game uh, game Sick name. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yoshi P. Uh, so his name is Naoki Yoshida. They call him Yoshi P, the man. Now, he said that he was, and I quote, he wasn't mad, but he was, quote, extremely disappointed oh. as a gamer wow. that this had been done. Uh, what will happen to these guys? Well, uh, the use, uh, illicit use of third-party tools uh, in the future <laughs> will not be recognized for raid team world firsts. So okay. it may very well be that. I thought they know, got stripped of their title cap, didn't they? Oh, did they? Yeah, I think they got stripped of their title. They got stripped of their title, and then I'm pretty sure a lot of people were saying on Twitter saying how common it is. Like They wouldn't be surprised if all the other guys are also using third-party tools for yeah. doing things. Well, I mean, when you look at this, Cap, this, and I want to go back to your example of World of Warcraft, right? Being able to zoom out a little bit more, I don't know. That doesn't seem like the end of the world to me. Like, if you want to make, if you want to make, like, and wow, it's a different game. But if you want to make raid progression or M plus progression, if you don't have add-ons, you are going to underperform. Like yes. you need big wigs, you need little wigs, you need your damage meters, you need your threat meters. If you're a healer, you need your healing add-ons and all your things. And I could say that if someone had their normal wow in front of them and tried to do a 10 plus dungeon or whatever it is, and you've got the person with the same gear that comes in with all their add-ons, it'll be night and day difference between between them this like having his camera zoom out if that's all it was i don't know man like is that going a bit throwing the book too hard at these guys or i don't know to be honest i can see where they're coming from i think that they're trying to foster a particular um game and social environment uh for final fantasy online players but i think they're also trying to control the way that you experience the game you know on a particular level right like they are restricting the use of add-ons to alter the game state in a way that might you know give you an advantage or whatever else mm. now again world of warcraft's different because they allow that usage which can af again affect you know your gameplay but i mean it's it's been allowed right so anything goes but with final fantasy online that particular raid experience might be kind of designed around you having little visibility uh, mm. and you know certain mechanics might kind of be owed to the way that you perform those mechanics with that little visibility. Now, if you can yeah, zoom true. all the way out, you, it mm. might be a fucking cheesy, sh uh, shitty mechanic that you can just dodge or really easily. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so as a game designer and developer, it might invalidate some of the things that you implement. So I can totally understand why they might have this particular stance. And I mean, they have been very open about the fact that they don't want people using this uh, these kinds of things from day dot basically so yeah look what do i think about it yeah maybe it's harmless but also maybe again maybe they're completely invalidating these game game design decisions that um, are kind of creating these uh interesting raid mechanics that i think it's good know. to have consistency for sure
Yeah. But hey, again, I had to think like what said, um, the World First for WoW have to go through, though, in terms of all those guys having having all their add-ons and stuff. Mm-hmm. I reckon plays such a big part in planning for that would be your add-ons and, oh, and, what, and, and what tool, I mean, tools you've got. Yeah. I mean, you know, these Raid First guilds for WoW commission, you know, add-on designers to do certain things. Is know, that right? Because, yeah. Yeah, fun. absolutely. Mm. So, you know, to get their optimal experience. So... Mm-hmm. Anyways, but that doesn't happen on Final Fantasy Online because it's illegal. Anyways, moving along with the gaming. That's that. Now, yeah. here's a little quick one, Grizz, and we probably mm-hmm. could have put this in the uh, in the quick rapid fire. fire. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Redfall, that new game coming from Arcane Studios, it's the uh, vampire, you know, freaking Far Cry-looking thing that they've yeah. got going on. Uh, co-op. It's co-op. Single also player. single player, if mm-hmm. you'd like it. Now, again... Let me just highlight the fact that it is single player, but Grizzly, you were going to require an online internet connection based on an FAQ that was recently posed uh, posted by Bethesda. I don't mind this, Cap. Diablo 3 had it. You needed to be online to play Diablo 3, even yep. if you're playing on your own. Same with Path of Exile as well. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, we're in the new age. You know, there's an internet everywhere. Um, yep. Look, I, I agree with you. I think for the most part, um, the one thing that bothers me is, I guess, continued game preservationism. Uh, okay. If the yeah. servers go down for Redfall and you've bought Redfall uh, and there's no service for you to connect to, you can't play that game, baby. Anthem, so, baby. Anthem, yeah. eh? Yeah. Hey, great example. Mm-hmm. Can you play Anthem anymore? I don't think you can. Maybe, maybe, but I don't know. Mm. Uh, but I don't think you can. So, yeah. It's one thing to think about when we hear things like this is, you know, when I put my money towards a game like this, am I going to be able to play that game in the future? Even it's if a very I good point. I never thought about that, Cap. That's a very good point, mate. Yeah, hmm. I like that. So, yeah, that's kind of one reason why I also like having... A phys- I actually like physical copies of, of video games, you know. I kind of like the Switch for that, buying a physical mm-hmm. cart to do yep. things. And uh, uh, discs, I like to have a an actual PS5 with discs abilities on it. Even yep. though some of those might require online, I don't know. There's something about having a having a physical version. Mm. Absolutely, but yeah. So, anyways, a um, bit of a quick uh, kind of quest log topic there, but uh, just wanted to kind of quickly cover it. Probably could have done a rapid fire for that, but uh, yeah. Anyways, let us know what you guys think. Um, are you guys happy with with uh, always requiring an internet connection to play your video games, or? Uh, or are you not particularly happy? And why? What are your constraints? What, what's uh, what's what's the issue, man? It's the age mm-hmm. of the internet. Should be fine, right? Well, tweet us. I don't know. Tell us. Tell us the deal. All right. So that was the quest log, Grizz. Freaking congratulations. Well done, mate. We cleared it all Hell out. Yeah, Very dude. good. We ticked the whole lot off. Now, Grizz. Yes. Another new section that's coming to people freaking live this week is... The How's Your Game and Garn section. Oh, dude, I forgot about it. It was about going to the poll. How's your game and garn? Hell yeah. yeah. Well, firstly, okay. how's your game and garn? <laughs> how's my game and garn? Pretty good, yeah. dude. Pretty good. I um, posed a question to the boys the other day on the Facebook and said, should I replay Elden Ring or mm-hmm. should I play through the God of War um, games? So I still have uh, God of War 2018 to finish. I believe I'm very close. And then I've got Ragnarok PS5 sitting there. So... Yep. You gave me um, the direction to play God of War so we can yarn about it on uh, on the stream. So that is what I have done. I have been playing. Um, I believe I'm very close to the end of 2018. I'm looking forward to jumping into Ragnarok, Cap. Frick yeah, mate. I think I'm going to dive back into Ragnarok maybe this weekend if I get a bit of time, if not next week. 
Um, want to finish off a couple of things I've been doing currently. But mm. uh, was anything else you want to talk about gaming wise? Well, I've been playing. I'm still playing Brotato. Believe it or not, I'm still playing Brotato. Really? It's one of those games yeah. that if I just have like a little bit of time. Uh, I don't want to commit to a quick know, run. Just a quick run, yeah, because the runs are quite quick. Uh, it's 20, uh, 20 floors possible, and they're timed at like, I think it's like a minute per floor. So, you know, uh, 20 minutes, uh, give or take kind of thing. So, um, still enjoying that game. Bang for buck, seven bucks on Steam. How's your gaming going? Pretty dang good with Pretty that. Dang value good. Gaming on a budget, baby. Mm. How does that? Love to hear it. Um, what about you, I, Cap? Did, How is your you... gaming going? What were we going to say? Well, I was going to say, did you fire up Dota? I did. I have been playing Dota. I've actually been playing ranked Dota, Cap. You are a suck for punishment. I'm keen. I am uh, at the moment, <laughs> since I've been back, I am five wins, three losses. So that's a that's an MMR Ooh. gain, baby. Mate, that is that is amazing. Glad to hear it. Sometimes I think a bit of time away from a game like that is uh, really healthy mm. for your mm-hmm. MMRs. Um, that's but right. Yeah, but um, yeah, my gaming has been gone good, Grizzly. Uh, I continued a bit more Hi-Fi Rush. Now, that game is brilliant. Uh, really, really good game. If anyone's looking for just like a rhythm kind of arcade, well, not arcade, I guess rhythm, it's a rhythm platform, right? Which, you know, the, and but the cool thing is you don't have to be super like, um, what's the word? <laughs> Accurate. Okay. You know, yeah. with mm-hmm. your inputs and stuff. So you, it's, you can kind of bash it, button mash it a little bit and, and it'll work as long as you're vaguely in time. But obviously mm. you need to kind of be a bit more in time for a bit different combos and stuff. But, the game's actually really well put together. On a, so you've a lot been giving it some hours, Cap. You've been, I think, I'm on the it. third or fourth stage, and I think there's twelve. Um, but I've got a pretty good idea of like the scope of the game and what's what's available to me. They're slowly introducing things here and there, but um, the the baseline of the game being this rhythm kind of action platformer uh, is great. You know, and you go into these sort of uh, battle arenas where you're battling. Uh, you know, robots and, and bits and pieces and, uh, you know, they're also attacking on the beat stuff and you're trying to, you know, weave in and out of combat and attack people with your combos. It's, it, it feels really cool when you pull some shit off. Um, so, yeah, if you're looking for that, it de- definitely worth a crack and it's free on Game Pass. So, I mean, that's... Not bad. Yeah, again, uh, if you want some fucking budget, fucking uh, money, value for money oh, gaming, go yeah. Game Pass, mm. mate, because holy shit, I've been... Pumping some hours in Game Pass. It's been so. popular on on Twitch, dude. A lot of people are playing it. And yeah, well, do you know what's interesting? I read a story about how uh, basically Hi-Fi Rush was just this kind of viral hit internally at Bethesda, and mm. so they decided to do the Shadow Drop, where you know they just all of a sudden, ah, and it's available yeah. today because yeah. they thought, "Fuck it, this is going to be sick. I think it's really going to hit well. Um, let's just Shadow Drop it." And I think it worked really well in their favor, to be honest. I think. Uh, there's something to be said about just not having that hype train uh, and then kind of maybe fizzle out and then the release of a game come along and maybe not meet expectations versus drop it now, um, no expectations. People play it go, fuck, this is actually pretty good. Uh, I think mm-hmm. Hi-Fi Rush really, uh, really capitalized on that and it's really worked for them. So that's really cool. Now, Grizz, another mm. game I've been playing, Pentiment. Never heard of that before, mate. Pentiment. Pentiment. Okay. okay. Let me kind of paint you a little story, a uh, bit of a bit of a uh, a joke because uh, the main character is mm-hmm. a painter. Now the game uh... is set in the 16th century, uh, and you are this painter uh, that is on their apprenticeship, basically uh, in this sort of Bavarian Alp town. 
uh, and you're working in this uh, like church kind of abbey place where one of the last places that uh, monks and people recreate books and stuff by hand and you're working there to produce artworks for these books that they're creating in this mm. scriptorium. Um, so, you know, this is like the 1500s or something like that. Um, there's a lot of like really interesting kind of political and societal changes that are happening, a lot of economic change. You know, the peasants are starting to become more intellectual as they read mass kind of created books and stuff. Printing has become slowly um, slowly becoming uh, more available across uh, the continent. And, uh, yeah, there's more education in the peasantry. Now, this whole game takes place in this, uh, this particular time period. And the art style is in mm. that of one of these old manuscripts. So if you can imagine those kind of like kind of semi-medieval early century kind of manuscripts and the art styles that is used in there, that's kind of what you can expect from this game. It looks very cool, mate. I'm just having a look yeah. at it now. Yeah. Obsidian now, look, Studios 2, Cap. So. So these, are, these are the guys who made fucking Fallout originally, dude. Yeah. This, this is what these guys did, right? So they've created this really interesting game. Now, the whole thing that happens is it's a bit of a murder mystery. So you can uh, they kind of blend it with a bit of a... It's not really a point-of-click action game, because uh, adventure game, because you, you, well, it kind of is because it's 2D and you're walking around the town and, and talking to uh, peasants and, and people in the town and also people in the abbey trying to figure out what's happened with this murder that's happened in, in mm. the general area. And, uh, you know, you're having these conversations with people, but, you know, there's a lot of dialogue options and those options affect things that happen in the real world to the point where you can get people killed, uh, maybe accidentally. Maybe they were the person who did it. Anyways, so you also kind of use that those dialogue options to generate your character's backstory as well. So you might be, maybe you did your early apprenticeship in Italy and that helps you in the game because now you know some Italian script that might help you read something that's, you know, ha, a clue cool. somewhere. So mm, mm. there's a lot of really cool stuff that happens in this game. And I think uh, it's, it's a time period that I wasn't really, you know, super familiar with. Uh, and the way that they presented the art style is really cool, like, when you're in the game, you'll see the dialogue options get underlined and then you can press tab and then the game zooms out of the game screen as if it's a, um, a panel in a book. And then mm. there's um, kind of lines drawn to those words that give you an overview of what that line means. So it might be, you know, a city name or it might be uh, an event that happened around that time or, you know, a particular person that was a so you're learning. What they did. you're learning while you're uh, I'm playing I'm learning a lot of game. shit. Okay, um, yeah, right. But, yeah, it's it's an incredibly well-put-together game. Mm. If you're looking for something a bit more kind of cruisy, there's no action or anything like that because you're kind of running around trying to, trying to find clues and figure shit out. Um, but there's a lot of kind of political intrigue and that whole kind of murder mystery that hangs over the top of it and how you approach that and the... Uh, the kind of decisions you make in the game, uh, mm. yeah, they completely affect uh, how things happen afterwards. So, you know, the game's kind of structured in these different chapters. I think there's three main chapters. I'm in the second chapter now. And you can see how the game would change insanely radically uh, with the options and stuff that are available to you. That's uh, cool. Yeah, it's a really, really cool game. It's very dialogue heavy, though. And again, no real action, <laughs> but um, <laughs> the art style is brilliant. Uh, and I've been loving it so much. Uh, it's been it's been is, an absolute is it PC, wonder. Cap? PC? It's PC. I've actually been playing it mm. on uh, Xbox Cloud on my phone in bed and just no using way. touch controls. Wow. And I recently That's just cool. bought like a mobile um, 
holder thing with it's like a telescopic thing that you put your phone in yeah and yeah. bluetooth the controller to your phone so it holds your phone for you and then it's kind of like a, it's like a switch basically just like come and clamps your phone in the middle of between the two and then you bluetooth the controller and then you can use that to Dang, do some man, gaming that's cool so um that's cool anyways I like it. yeah um, it's, it's 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 a great game really really great animation um it's a little bit zany here and there with like these dream segments and stuff that are happening and you trying to figure out what's going on at the larger scale. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, just a really interesting kind of recreation of that 16th century time period. And it does a really good job of it. And uh, yeah, again, if you're looking for something like this, something a bit cruisy in bed, uh, but with a little bit of political intrigue and murder mystery, this is a fucking cracker of a game. Now I read an article Grizz where yeah. uh, Obsidian was saying they would never have created this game without a service like Xbox uh, Game Pass. Is that right? Why? Yeah, because so, it's not financially viable for them to create said game, and I think effectively, yeah, like a like this this game is like a real kind of art house fucking mm-hmm. game. Like th- there's not many people that would generate a game of this scale because I mean. Man, the, I can only imagine what the game design looked like for generating the branching dialogue options for this game. It must have been crazy to put this together. Um, so it would have been pretty hard for an indie studio to put something like this to this Very scale. Very good news story about that, yeah. isn't it? And I guess yeah. that comes back to those indie studios before they make that big release cap and probably doing that out of a labor of love, you know, yeah, in their own absolutely. time, and making these games money on it. and losing Maybe it money. goes big, maybe yeah. it doesn't, you know. Yeah. Uh, and some, for some, it pays off. For a lot of people, it doesn't. But, but yeah, these guys were just saying like, you know, because I mean, Obsidian's a tried and true developer, so they're able to execute this game and, and Fuck, do it really that's well. That's awesome, man. There you uh, go, Game but, Pass. Yeah. But Game Pass, without Game Pass, they probably wouldn't have created this game because it just they could not have foreseen it being um, a, a hit. And I think in a lot of ways, Grizz, Mm-hmm. Uh, Game Pass really opens up games like this to a wider audience sometimes um, yeah. because it it basically puts it in people's view, field of view, right? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. oh, it's a free game on Game Pass. Well, I have Game Pass and I, I get it for free, so fuck it, I'll give it a crack. So, yeah, Game Pass, doing some pretty fucking cool things. So there you go. I've been playing Pentiment and highly recommend Pentiment. it to anyone. To Too check much it dialogue for me, Cap. But uh, yeah, I, I, I don't think it's met. a Grizz game for yeah. sure. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's been fucking great. So so there you mm-hmm. go. But uh, but yeah, now Grizz, that yeah, my game my game has been going good, and it sounds like yours has too. So that's fucking excellent. Now next on the list, Grizz, is the OGR poll. All right. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we actually asked uh, this poll pretty early in the week, just with some news that kind of dropped. It wasn't any particularly groundbreaking stuff, but it was kind of just a, an event happened. Basically, a day happened. So uh, we'll take you through that in a second. But if you guys want to be involved with our poll every week, all you got to do is go and follow us on twitter.com slash show. We post a Twitter poll every week that you can vote in. Uh, this week's had uh, 26 different votes, which is pretty good for us, I think. Yeah, not too bad. Pretty so, good, pretty good. Yeah, go and follow us on twitter.com slash show, and you too can vote in this week's poll. What will it be about? Who knows? Uh, anything that happens during the week, some kind of in vogue, up-to-date, cool fucking gaming story might be chucked on there. Oh, what was that thing we just talked about before that Pav wrote the thing down for? I can't uh, remember. Armored Core something, armored wasn't core. it? Armored Core. Will it have microtransactions? Oh, microtransactions Maybe that's what it will be. What mm-hmm. it, yeah, anyways, we'll, uh, we'll post that or something else uh, soon. But yeah, anyway, so this was a flash midweek OGR poll, and we wanted to know, well, backstory, The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom... 
the highly anticipated follow-up to Breath of the Wild is due for release in approximately 100 days now. I think it's about 96 or 94 days now or something like that, 95 days. Sheesh. Anyway, mm-hmm. so we wanted to know, do people think this game will be delayed again beyond the proposed 12th of uh, May, 05, is that May? Yeah, May. 2023 release date. Yeah. Riz, take us through. Results. Uh, reasonably even, actually, Cap. Yeah. Uh, 42.3% no, said no. 57.7% of the people said yes. I actually voted uh, no on this, Cap. I, I, think, I think they've got a pretty good handle on their release date. Uh, and yep. I reckon, <clears throat> I reckon it'll be out when they say it's going to be out. What about yep. you? Mm, I was really torn about this one, Grizz. I'm kind of fifty-fifty leaning towards no, uh, but my so they originally had September last year, or was it November? One of the two was their release window. Obviously, they completely mm-hmm. missed that, and they then reset. Okay, we're going to aim for the twelfth and the fifth, twenty-three. So, um, now the first uh, story off the rapid fire is that Nintendo ANZ, their Twitter, uh, posted a tweet saying, hey, the release of Tears of the Kingdom Kingdom is 100 days away. So, I would have thought Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that their marketing departments probably wouldn't get too excited if they were, you know, going to be sticking to... uh, well, yeah, if they're going to delay it, if they weren't going to stick to their release date. So I think yeah. that's probably a boon in the pocket of people hoping that this game will come out in time. Uh, I think if anyone is going to be happy to delay a game, I think it's Nintendo because they've done it before and they'll do it again if they need to. Uh, they're incredibly, incredibly protective of their IPs. And if they think they're going to release a suboptimal product, they generally don't release it on time. Mm-hmm. So one thing though, Grizz, Yes. That I can't believe we haven't got is a Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom treehouse uh, preview of gameplay. So that's, uh, so that's the um, Nintendo. Oh, what do they call it? Um, is it not treehouse anymore, is it? It's uh, Nintendo Direct, sorry. Oh, um, right, right, right. We I haven't gotten a Nintendo Direct. Normally, we'd get something probably soonish. You know, this 100 days is-, is quite a while, though. What is that? Three months? Surely it's, it's probably... less than three months. Well, hang on, it's it's three months now. But mm. still, I kind of thought, you know, ninety days, dude. I don't know. I kind of felt like we might have gotten something by now. Dude, they wouldn't be tweeting saying hundred days out if they knew they were going to delay it. I, I'm I'm yeah, really again ninety nine percent confident. I'm that... leaning towards no, but I yeah. I think uh, if anyone will delay it, I think a game. I think Nintendo will be quite happy to do it if it's going to be in their best interest to do so. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I guess we'll wait and see. I would hope in the next month that we'd get a re- like Nintendo Direct tomorrow, and everyone just loses their fucking mind because you know if they randomly announce a Nintendo Direct uh, at mm-hmm. the drop of a hat, and it's it's happening tomorrow, it will be the fucking Tears of the Kingdom. Now the next thing is Grizz. Really quickly before we move into the rapid fire topics. Yeah, please tell me that game runs okay on the Nintendo fucking Emphasina fucking device. Maybe that's why they don't want to have. Maybe that's why they don't have want to have a Nintendo Direct cap because they don't want to show gameplay of it yet. Maybe they'll do a uh, for spoken and just be like, oh, yep, no, sorry, we can't give you guys keys for seeing things or testing things. Here you go. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, it's interesting because traditionally, Grizz, a lot of the time. They've used legend, new Legend of Zelda titles 
to coincide with hardware release to try and sell new consoles. Switch Pro, baby, let's go. Hey, it might not be so crazy. Mm -hmm. I do feel like we've maybe kind of gotten through the majority of the silicon silicon shortage. Uh, I think maybe they might be able to, but I, I would have thought that we would have heard rumblings of a new console coming soon. I mean, we have, we, you know, every second week there's a fucking, you know, leak of a, you know, proposed Switch Pro freaking thing, but uh, we haven't got a solid leak yet, I don't think. Mm. Uh, but generally, that's normally when they go about announcing these games and, and releasing them. So I don't know, like, for example, Wind Waker kind of was like um, GameCube era um you know they had twilight princess or was it um yeah twilight princess was Wii was Wii, uh and then they had uh skyward sword oh no hang on was it skyward sword was Wii? sorry skyward sword was Wii, and then what was Wii U? Wii U was was breath of the wild mm -hmm. when they went across to the switch as yeah, well that's right it was too yeah. So it generally coincides with new hardware or close to. So can we expect a Switch console soon? I don't fucking know. But hey, we'll see. We'll see. We will, we see. will see. Because I bet you it runs like fucking hot garbage. Anyways, moving along, Grizz. The final segment of this show, the rapid fire quick news. Mm -hmm. Okay. Load your fucking, I don't know, something. Load something up. Get ready. Lock yourself in. All right, Grizz, we've already gone through the first uh, topic, so I'm going to move straight into the second. Uh, Ori and the Blind Forest devs are working on a new game, and they noted this. If Ori was our Mario, then this new game is their Zelda. Basically, they went on to say a bunch of shit about how they are working on you know this new title, uh, and, well, not a bunch of shit. They basically just said that, uh, you know, it, they're... Ori and the Blind Forest commitments and committing to that particular uh, game and that is, is going to enable them to create this full-blown action kind of RPG game. Okay. Uh, mm -hmm. Again, mm -hmm. I guess vaguely, uh, if you sort of connect the dots between games and their vague kind of genre, uh, this next one's going to be kind of more Zelda-like. Yes, some degree. love it. Um, which sounds good. And it also sounds like they're going to be carrying the same art style and color palette. So they're sticking with that kind of unique art style. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, so pretty cool. Sounds very uh, cool. That, those, those Ori games yeah. are masterpieces. Oh, uh, some of the most emotional writing in a video game to yeah. date, Cap. I don't I think a game has ever said so little but also made me cry so many tears. Yeah. Or just anything, really. Holy shit, man. Um, like, there's yeah, some actually, moments in that game. I would 100% agree. I would 100% yeah. agree with that, yeah. The visual storytelling is out of control to the point where it will jerk tears out of you um, despite there being very little dialogue. Pulls at the um, heartstrings, doesn't it? Yeah, it's incredible. What, a, what an incredible game. Those, I, I'm very excited to see what they have in store next. But yeah, anyways, Chris, after you, mate. Cat, Dead Space Remake stomps the Callisto Protocol's launch with almost double the players on Steam. Not surprised looking at the two video games. I haven't played either of them, but no. from what I've seen for Callisto Protocol and of uh, Dead Space, yeah, seems pretty standard. I'm pretty keen to get into Dead Space, but I, I don't want to pay for it. I know it seems really dumb, but I'm just going to wait for it to come out on Game Pass or something like that. Um so, I mean, I've played Dead Space and I'm very excited to step back into that game. Uh, but, like, a remake makes me very excited. But, mm -hmm. again, I don't know if I want to play full price for a remake. So, I'm, I'm pretty... 
I'm 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 very excited to see what EA does. I mean, there's rumblings of a Dead Space movie. Uh, I can't remember which director kind of mentioned that someone's been talking about that, but there's rumblings of that. So, uh, look, I think that IP is such an untouched treasure trove, uh, and I. I would love to see them reboot the franchise and maybe just not remake two and three and maybe just make a new game after one. I think mm. that would be fucking sick and I would fucking I would be so stoked if that's the direction they took it. But yeah, I'll get to Dead Space at some point, but not until it's on some kind of free service that I already pay for. I don't really want to pay seventy bucks for it. Yeah. But yeah. All right. All right. Now Grizz, Dwarf Fortress. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, dude. This is that fucking ASCII game that recently got an actual graphical like interface. Um, mm. So basically everything was made out of numbers and letters and shit on an ASCII keyboard and uh, they re-released it for Steam. Uh, it's a kind of dwarf kind of How, how much is it? Cap, how much is the game? I think it's like 30 odd dollars Jeez. or something like that. yeah, right. Um, but yeah, this game, had the re-release on Steam with the new graphical kind of update, uh, it has made $7.23 million. Uh, and most of that was made in the first month of its release. It was like, the, I, I saw the breakdown. It was like first month was like six fucking million or something, and then the second month was like a few hundred thousand, and then it just kind of like nosedives. But still, they made a lot of money. So, yeah, pretty cool. Nuts. Nuts, yeah. mate. Um, on the same token here, Cap, It Takes Two, one of our favorite games that we played in uh, Cream of the Crow Up, and many beloved people played this game. Yep. Uh they have sold over 10 million. 10 million copies. That's, 10 a, million that's copies, a big man. number. That's, that's a, a big freaking number. Huge. Not quite Elden Ring numbers, though, Grizz. No, you know, they're probably no. pushing about 14 mil an hour. Did thought, this but, win yeah. some award? Dude, it won Game two? of the Year. Did this win Game of the Year? There you go. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. One Game mm-hmm. of the Year. And there are rumblings about this particular game getting a movie adaption. Oh, really? I reckon that'd be cringe as fuck. I reckon it'd be cringe as fuck as well. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so I don't know if I'd want to watch that un- mm-hmm. unless, I don't know, it's the kind of movie that only like someone like Robin Williams could actually make this work and work well. It's very true. Um, Mrs. And obviously, you know, rest in peace, Robin Williams. What a fucking mm. legendary actor. But, yeah, I just don't know if, uh, mm. I don't know if they've got the right people to make this actually good. So, anyways, maybe they need an AI to recreate Robin Williams in that role. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Fuck, Cap. Jeez. It's <laughs> actually, know. you know what? You saying that they could totally do that with his yeah. movies. They could actually do that. Yeah, I know. It'd be fucking sick. I'd love that, man. I would. I, I have to say, Robin Williams's passing was devastating to me. He is yeah. by far one of my favorite actors of all time, and yeah, it was just fucking heartbreaking. I would mm-hmm. love to see something like that, where I don't know, just being able to recreate it. I think it would be amazing. But okay. um, also, you know, potentially uh, not. Uh, ethical uh in terms of who gets the cut so anyway we, we spoke about that before. all right Chris. uh resident evil 4 remake is removing quick time events and adding side quests and breakable knives quick time so, events what are the quick what are the quick time is that when like stuff flashes at you on the screen you've got to press a quick button and yeah or smash the x button to smash, break out okay. of the okay. door or yeah, so they're getting rid of those and hmm. they're adding side quests and breakable knives. Breakable knives, I thought, was an interesting addition. Yeah, uh, it kind of implies that maybe they're maybe making things a bit more like a bit they're more go- scarcity. They're going down know. the Zelda route, Cap. Zelda Breath of the Wild oh, route, mate. No, all of I'll your tell you weapons what, break. Does the kingdom better not have that? Or <laughs> yeah, have you know what? They fucking better not. 
Absolutely. I'll yeah. be I'll be real shitty, Grizz. Okay. Yeah. I'll yeah. be real shitty. But yeah, so there you go. Resident Evil 4 remake. Different um, differences. You and I are both owners of this game, Cap, and have contributed here. We should be very proud of ourselves. But uh, God of War Ragnarok <laughs> has sold 11 million copies. Not bad for being Not relatively quite as new. much as Elden Ring. Still <laughs> <laughs> uh, very, very good, though. Congratulations, mm. Santa Monica. Mm-hmm. Very well done. You guys are fucking great. Now, Grizz, moving mm. along. Final Fantasy VII is getting its own Lego set. Now, I believe they put a poll up asking people what they would like, uh, you know, giving them some options, basically, and I guess the best may the best uh, setting win. The options were one of the following. So they had the Honey Bee, uh, what do you call it? Honey Bee, um, the Honey Bee Inn, uh, the Sector 5 Slums Church, uh, the Nibelheim Water Tower and uh, Aerith's House. Now, I actually, I don't know, I don't know. Did you play Final Fantasy VII Remake, Chris? Not the remake, just the original, mate. Not the remake. Of uh, those, what do you think mm. you choose? Uh, well, that would have required me listening to what you were saying, and I completely missed it. So, what were the options oh, yeah. again? I'm going to make, I'm going to make the choice for you. It is okay. absolutely going to be the Honey Bee Inn. The Honey Bee Inn. Okay, sounds good. Yep. I don't remember that in the original. Was that in the original game, Cap? Yes, it was. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Okay. It's, it's the part where um, where uh, Cloud cross-dresses. Oh, really? Yes, I do remember yeah. that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's so my favourite part. part, mate. Favourite part. Yeah. It's a ripper. Um, um, yeah. Now, I, I, before you go any further, Grizz, real quick, yeah. Um, yeah. there was also a leak of someone that was filling out a survey for Nintendo and the survey included what people thought about Legend of Zelda uh, Lego and whether they would like certain oh, that'd be sick. types of Lego sets. Yeah. One was the Deku tree, and I think there was another option as well. Yeah. So I don't know how tr- how 100% legit that is, but if it's true, then maybe we might be getting some Zelda. Could you imagine Le- fucking Zelda Lego? I'd be more interested about Zelda Lego. That'd be so cool, dude. Yeah, and I mean, if they put as much effort as they did into... like, Have you seen the Mario Lego sets? No, they're out of control. No, like you can you can set up like like um like block runs and stuff where you can do like you know kind of like I don't know platforming and shit and things happen. I don't know. Go on fucking Google it. It's actually mental what you can do with the with the Mario Lego set. So if they did some cool shit like that, could be very mm. very interesting. All right. Anyways, after you, Chris, keep going. All right. <laughs> fucking two hour episode. Here we come, baby. <laughs> um. So speaking about um Lara Croft power wash simulator the other day and how fucking weird that was cap well i bring you final fantasy 7 dlc coming for power wash simulator featuring places and enemies such as the guard scorpion the seventh heaven and cloud's bike yep. pretty cool i can't wait to cloud wa- to cloud wash to fucking power wash cloud's bike mm-hmm. that's pretty cool but yeah there you go so get yourself fucking strapped in for some more power wash simulator um all right uh, we've got two delays coming, Grizz. We've got uh, Star Wars Jedi Survivor is now coming on the 28th of April. Don't know what the original one was, but there you go. And The Last of Us Part 1 for PC will now be released on the 28th of March, which, uh, yeah, you're going to have to wait a little bit longer for that. Sorry, people. God damn it. Okay, Cap. MMO player grinds god-awful minigame tokens for eight years, breaks the in-game XP tracker by blowing it uh, all in 49 seconds. Wait, what? 
Can you explain yeah. to me what happened to some RuneScape so thing? Basically, this RuneScape player was farming mm. agility tokens for eight years and stockpiling them and then walked into the, the trade-in counter for these particular tokens. And what happens is when you trade in one of those tokens, you got a certain amount of XP. Um, so basically traded in all of it at once to the point where the player was earning so much XP per hour, it broke the in-game tracker because he Barry? just dumped. No, it wasn't Barry. Well, maybe it was, no, it wasn't Barry. It definitely wasn't Barry. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so basically, completely uh, fucked the in-game tracker. But yeah, but like it, it wasn't intended that someone would farm this particular token for eight years and then dump it all at once. So yeah, basically, pretty kill. Um, so there you go. Now uh, the final story here, Grizz, is mm. that uh, now um, the one of the uh, Activision Blizz, Blizz executives uh, kind of pointed at the the Last of Us and how successful the uh, the TV adaption has been and said, "Hey, you know, you guys are complaining about uh, you know exclusivity and all this and that. You guys are doing pretty well with that uh, Last of Us, Sony. What's going on there? Maybe uh, maybe cut mm-hmm. us some slack and just let this uh, this ABK go. buyout go through." Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, got a point. I agree. Got a point, Sony. Yep. Just fucking so stop whinging about it. Just get stop whinging. It's got nothing to do with you, mate. You know. Yeah. Well, it does. But um, does, shut up. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe do better. All right. There you go, Grizz. That's the entire show for the week. We have uh, been a bit of a long one. I think we might have to uh, readjust how many quest logs we do per episode. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but I'm sure our podcast listeners are going to be stoked for the extra fucking twenty odd minutes of content. So there you go. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, as always, thank you so much to all of our listeners who come and uh, fucking sit in the Twitch chat every week and uh, listen to the podcast uh, once it goes live on Tuesdays on your favorite podcasting platform. As always, please tell some people about this podcast. It'd be fucking awesome if you could. It'd be great to get some new listeners in here and some new interactions. Um, and yeah, you can listen to us live on twitch.tv slash Oceanic Gaming Radio, uh, 7 p.m. AWSTs on Mondays. So there you go. Uh, we have a Discord server. All you got to do is go and check out our link tree. I'm sure you will find it in either the de- de- description of this podcast or uh, in chat momentarily. Uh, we have a Twitter where we post uh, polls every week. Uh, Twitter.com slash show. You can go and vote in those uh, post questions to us. Yeah. Fucking DM us. I don't, I don't know. Send us a DM. We haven't, I don't know if we've gotten a DM yet on that Twitter, probably, but send us a DM. Uh, tell us what you think about something. Something cool. Something, um, something, something. Do it. Uh, as always, thank you to our patrons for continuing to financially stabilize this uh, this podcast that's just, you know, fucking firing money left, right, and center. Uh, yeah, if you want to become one too, you all you got to do is go to patreon.com slash show. I believe we got a new Patreon the, uh, during the running of this show, which is Mr. Dan Fantastic. Thank you very much, Did mate. Did we really? You to Dan, what a legend. What a, what a leg, legend, Dan. Um, so there you go. Legend Dan. Um, if you want to become one too, all you got to do is go to patreon.com slash show, and you too can become a Patreon and have a siphon a little bit of money from your bank account every month. There you go. Uh, I think that's everything. Rate the podcast. That's the final thing I'll say. Rate the fucking podcast. Do Do it. it. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, that's everything from us. Uh, Did we make two hours, Pat? Uh, Just shy. 
Right, we just leave it running. You need yeah, a f- yeah. filibuster for 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm good. I'm going to bed. Uh, <laughs> Me too. I'm fucking tired. Eh? Holy oh, shit, dude. Great, great to be you guys. Uh, yeah, hey. Pav. How hey. are you feeling, mate? You knackered? I'm knackered. Uh, uh, sorry, brother. That's all good. Uh, we'll see work, you all pal. next week. <laughs> 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 all right. Yeah, we'll see you guys next week. Thank you so much for being here. Appreciate right. you. Peace out, hombres. All right.